Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. I'm your host, Sam DeMarco, joined here by my trusty sidekick, as always, my Robin to my Batman here, uh, John Schneider, the Executive Director of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, and as always, the man that makes this magic happen, our producer, dazzling Daryl Grandy. Welcome to the show, folks. Hey, we have a great show for you today. A couple weeks ago, we had some other candidates that are looking to run for the Republican nomination for the appellate court seats that are up statewide this year. And uh, today, we have two others, okay? Uh, Now, I want to tell you about this show here, a little bit different here today. We are taping this show on Thursday prior to you listening to it today on Saturday because on Saturday, uh, we will be at the Republican State Committee meeting up in Hershey, PA, where we will be endorsing these candidates. So as you're listening to this show, Okay, keep in mind that there may be news coming out of it as far as who the Republicans Republicans have chosen to endorse as their candidates for the May primary election here to become their nominees for these appellate court seats, which are up in November. So I'm very excited to have our first guest, uh, Megan Martin. Megan is running for a seat on Commonwealth Court. John has shifted me a bio of her that's a couple pages long. So rather than me reading this, I'm going to let Megan tell you a little bit about herself, herself. Megan, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Sam. It's uh, delightful to be here with you today. Well, we're delighted to have you. Now, you know, now, um, if you want to tell folks, let's start with, uh, tell folks just what the folks on Commonwealth Court do. Because I think to many of our listeners, yeah, they're familiar with a judge and a courtroom, but they really don't understand how our appellate courts work or or what's involved. Could you share, shed a little light for, for our listeners there? Absolutely, Sam. I, I'm very happy to do that. Uh, and this is a great question because, as you said, most people across Pennsylvania don't realize how important Commonwealth Court is to their daily lives. And what I would say today is that Commonwealth Court is the court that is connected to the basic necessities of the lives of every single person all across our great Commonwealth. When you get up in the morning and you turn on your light or you turn on your faucet, that's Commonwealth Court because Commonwealth Court hears utility cases. When you take your kids or your grandkids to school in the morning, that's Commonwealth Court because Commonwealth Court hears the education cases. When you go in and vote, that's Commonwealth Court because Commonwealth Court hears the election cases. Commonwealth Court also hears, for example, the business cases during the, the business closures during COVID. If you own a farm, if you own a business, Commonwealth Court is important to your life. And so it is very important for the people to understand just how important that court is in their lives. And I've chosen to run for this court because I have a three-decade career of service in government. And so I really wanted to bring my expertise and my knowledge of government to the court that only hears these kinds of government cases. You know, that is a great, great answer. And it's one of the most succinct answers I've heard from anybody, you know, explaining just the, not just the court, but the role it plays in people's, people's lives. Thank you for sharing that. So you've decided that you're going to run for this seat. And I've had the opportunity to speak with you numerous occasions. You've been in town here a number of times. You've attended our Christmas party. You were in for the Southwest caucus meeting. Uh, Why don't you tell the listeners here, folks who aren't privy to these gatherings or weren't there or invited, why you believe you're qualified. Tell them a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your background, and why you believe you're qualified to sit on Commonwealth Court. Absolutely, Sam. I'm very happy to to share all of that with your listeners. Uh, First of all, I'd like to say to your listeners that I am speaking to you today from central Pennsylvania, from Cumberland County. So I'm an attorney in Cumberland County. However, I was born and raised in Delaware County. I grew up in uh, Wallingford, Pennsylvania, down in Delco. I lived there until I was 21 years old. Uh, I'm part of a large Irish-Italian family, the fifth of six children. And uh, I moved out to central Pennsylvania for law school when I was 21 years old, uh, way back in 1991, and I never left. It's been a wonderful place for me to live and work and raise my family. I have a family that I cherish, my husband, Scott Martin. We've got three uh, great kids. The youngest is 17, oldest is 21. Uh, for you dog lovers out there, we have an adorable and ginormous two-year-old Bernie Doodle who's also <laughs> part of our family. Um, and, and what I would say is this, in terms of kind of who I am and what kind of judge I'll be and my qualifications, you know, in, in terms of who I am, you know, I, I share our values of faith and family and hard work and reverence for our Constitution. And I hold a conservative judicial philosophy that the people all across Pennsylvania can trust. Uh, 
My parents instilled my values in me. Uh, they are who I am at my core. My mom was incredibly faith-filled, um, and she was very devout. And her greatest joy in life was being a mom to me and my five brothers and sisters. And she certainly passed all of that on to me. Uh, my father is the hardest working person I know. He is 91 years old, started working when he was eight years old because it was a Great Depression and he had to help feed his family. And he literally stopped working just a few years ago. So I have really gotten my, I would say, relentless, tireless work ethic from my father. And, and that's really who I am and what I bring to every aspect of my life what I'm bringing to this campaign and what I will bring to the bench should the great people of this great commonwealth elect me to the commonwealth court. Uh, and in terms of my judicial philosophy, you know, I believe that we need judges who are fair and impartial and independent and judges who will defend the rule of law, uh, judges who will protect all of our constitutional rights and freedoms and judges who won't legislate from the bench. And in terms of commonwealth court, we need judges who will not be afraid to hold our government accountable because just as you and I have to follow the law, so too does our government. And that's the kind of judge that I will be. I will be that judge. And what I will bring to the court is a nearly 30-year career of service that has given me truly one-of-a-kind and comprehensive experience in government law and process that I alone can bring to our Commonwealth Court. Simply put, Sam, I know government. I've spent three decades learning the intricacies of our government, and I've done that through a very unique and special career. I'm the only attorney I know who has served in all three branches of our state government. I've served one judge. I've served in the administrations of two of our governors. I've served three lieutenant governors, and I've served 91 state senators. And throughout that service, I really learned about the workings of our government in terms of the legal issues, the legislative issues, the regulatory issues, the policy issues, and the operational issues. Uh, in addition to that service, I was also an attorney for the United States Navy, where I was privileged to serve the men and women who so selflessly serve all of us. And at the Navy, I was both a litigator and a transactional attorney. Um, and it was very re rewarding and fulfilling and uh, busy, busy work. I had, I had a, a big, uh, I had a lot on my plate, I would say. Uh, but that's not all. In addition to that service, I've just spent the last 10 and a half years as a legislative attorney through my service at as a Pennsylvania State Senate's parliamentarian. Uh, I'm the first and only woman in the history of the Pennsylvania Senate to be the parliamentarian, so I'm pretty proud of that. And my 21-year-old daughter, as you can imagine, she thinks that's pretty great. Uh, but more importantly, it's a job where every day I had to act like a judge. I had to fairly and impartially and in a nonpartisan manner manage the legislative process for the Senate, always keeping our Constitution and our laws and the rules of the Senate as my North Star. And so being the parliamentarian has given me a 10-year proven track record of already acting fairly and judiciously like a judge that I can bring to our Commonwealth Court. Additionally, as you can imagine, serving as a parliamentarian gave me a unique and wonderful opportunity to literally be in the room where all of our laws were being considered and debated and discussed. And so that gave me an incredibly deep insight into the legislative process Again, something that's special to me that I can bring to our Commonwealth Court. And finally, I would tell you, 10 years of being the parliamentarian has certainly reaffirmed for me, not that I had any doubt, but I certainly know who writes our laws, and it is not the judges. And I will bring that very important mindset also to the Commonwealth Court. So I really do truly have a comprehensive and one-of-a-kind career of service in government law and process that makes me perfectly suited to be a judge on the court that only hears those types of cases. Well, listeners, do you hear that? <laughs> I, I can tell you, Megan, that your daughter's not the only one impressed that you were the parliamentarian there. And, and I got to ask you, how did you do your job? How were you able to do your job with the former lieutenant governor there? Okay. <laughs> I mean, how many times did he have to be uh, brought into line or, or checked when he was trying to do something that was outside the norms there? You know, we would see stuff on the evening news, right, when uh, things would get heated and he would be asked to leave. <laughs> but uh, I guess it could be challenging. You know, you have 50 state senators there, and uh, I, I've seen some of these debates that have taken place, and they can get fiery at times. So thank you for uh, stepping up and serving as a parliamentarian there and trying to tell these folks, you know, what can be included in the legislation, what can't, and helping uh, – you know, run these meetings. Well, thank you so much, Sam. It was truly my, my pleasure and my honor to serve the Senate and serve as the parliamentarian. And it was really special and meaningful work and impactful work. And, and I'm very fortunate to have had a career where I really could dedicate all of my time and energy to doing work that impacts the people 
of our great Commonwealth. And so it's truly been a, a blessing and a privilege, even on the difficult days. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, hey, you were talking about your kids. So, so how old are they? My kids are 17, 17, and 21. Okay. And before you ask, they are not twins. Uh, so uh, we, we are a modern family. So I have um, a daughter and a son. My daughter is 21. She's up in college in New York City studying public relations, and she'll be graduating this May. And I also have a son named uh, – my daughter's name is Mara. My son is Jack, and he is 17. And then I also have a stepson named Ted who – I love every bit as much, much as if he had been my naturally born son. So uh, I met my husband, Scott, about 10 years ago. Jack and Ted were in first grade together at our local uh, Catholic school where they attended school together. And sadly, Ted's mother had just passed away from breast cancer. Oh and as you can imagine, it was a very difficult time, a very small, close-knit school. We were all like a family. And so the classroom parents were trying to arrange lots of play dates, things to keep Ted busy and distracted because he was at such a tender age. So you know, Jack and I would go to these play dates and, and I met Scott. And, you know, as God would have it, he, he brought us together and made us a family. And, and Scott and I feel like we're really blessed and we got a second chance at, at life and love. And it's really special. And like I said, Ted, uh, he is a, a wonderful young man. Both boys are. Um, but it, I always wanted a big family. Like I said, I'm one of six mm -hmm. children, so I'm so happy to have another child. And of all three kids, it's kind of funny. Ted is the most like me in terms of personality, and it's just wonderful. It's a blessing having them in my life and sharing my life, and we just we are very blessed and and truly thankful for this wonderful opportunity God gave us to to come together and be a family. Well, that is a great story, and thank you for sharing it. I think it gives our listeners a little bit of a uh, human element view of who you Absolutely. are, you know, and that that you understand the challenges and things that they go through and what takes place within their own families. Now, you said something interesting to me because you said you were one of six kids, okay? Are you youngest, oldest in the middle? Where are you? I am the second to the baby, and I have a little brother, my, my little baby brother, who is way taller than I am, but for his whole life, he will be my little baby brother, <laughs> uh, whether he likes it or not. <laughs> and I have two older sisters and um, two older brothers. Okay. No, the reason I, I ask is I'm the oldest of six. You know, okay. so there are six kids in my family as well. So, you know, I just wanted to find out where you fit in in that, you know, hierarchy That's there. Crazy. You know, siblings, so you're, right? Sure. <laughs> you're used to you craziness know? and, yep, and yep. loudness. <laughs> now, one of the things when I met Scott, and Scott is such a great guy, great personality. and But we were talking, and, you know, he is following me on social media. And he was talking to me about, you know, my dogs. Because he said, hey, I, I, I see what you post, and it's like pets and politics. <laughs> And I said, yeah, pretty, pretty much. That's me. You know, uh, you know, my wife has volunteered for well over 25 years at a no kill shelter in this area. And she helps folks whose dogs have been lost and things like that. She go out and trap them and help them recover them, you know, and try to bring a little bit of happiness back to these families. You know, they're devastated because some of their pets, you know, are, are like members of the family. Right. Absolutely. And then we, uh, we have a lot of failed fosters. You know, I have six at home. Okay. Well, oh five because one's a uh, foster at the shelter getting some veterinary work done. Uh, but she'll be coming back because once they come into the house, they never end up leaving, you know? And, uh, but, but I can tell you, there's a lot of people across this Commonwealth, and particularly in this area, you know, they care uh, about their pets. And it says a lot about people, about how you treat, you know, not just the people that, uh, how should I say it, that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily important to you, right? Uh, the folks that we meet that are waiters or servers or things like that, uh, you know, uh, but also how we treat our, our pets, okay? So I'm um, glad to hear that you folks have the, the Bernadoodle there and, uh, you know. Well, he's our, definitely a family favorite. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey. You know, well, that they're the ones that you can always count on being happy to see you when you come home, Amen. right? Right? Amen. You know, Amen. so um, what what prompted you to decide, hey, now is the time for me to enter, you know, the politics here and run for judge. What was it that caused you to make that decision? That's a great question, Sam. And uh, let me answer it this way. Anybody who knows me knows that I truly believe in my heart that public service is a calling and that I've been called to serve. 
And, you know, I have really been blessed with a three-decade career that's given me a very special opportunity to perform meaningful work that impacts millions of people all across our great Commonwealth every day. And throughout all these years, as you can imagine, I've seen some good government, but lately I've seen a lot of other. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately today, there are many people across Pennsylvania who've lost faith in our government and they've lost faith in our judiciary. And we have a wonderful opportunity this year to right that ship. And we can put four conservative principal judges onto our statewide appellate courts. And I want to be one of those judges. I want to help restore the faith of the people of Pennsylvania in our judges again. I want to restore integrity and sanity to our courts. And I think that one judge at a time, we can do that. And I want to be part of that change for the people of our great Commonwealth. And that is really why I'm running. Well, I think that's a great reason. I, I know that many folks, like they, they are confused about the appellate court system. And, you know, they'll hear that something's in Commonwealth court then a decision is made. Then it goes to Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Then it either gets upheld or overturned. And it's like, you know, what's really final, right? I agree. And I can tell you, Sam, I am embarking on a 67-county campaign, as you alluded to earlier today, and Mm -hmm. I've been traveling our Commonwealth. And the common theme that I'm hearing from the people is that they are sick and tired of our judges making the policy decisions that they have no business making. Those are the decisions that should be made by our elected representatives in the General Assembly. And I share their frustration. And so that was a huge factor for me in terms of deciding to run for Commonwealth Court. And I will tell you, I've been thinking about this for years, and sometimes these opportunities only come along once in a career. Mm -hmm. And so I thought to myself, the opportunity is now. And, you know, instead of complaining about being unhappy with the state of, of affairs, I I put my money where my mouth is. I quit my job at the Senate, and I have made running for Commonwealth Court my full-time job. I'm that committed to this. I'm that personally invested in this, and I think that I can make a meaningful impact and make a difference and be a judge for all the people of Pennsylvania. And like I said, my, my goal is really to help restore the integrity to our judicial system and restore the faith of the people that there are good judges out there who are following the law who are defending our Constitution, who are not legislating from the bench, and who are holding our government accountable when they need to be held accountable. And that that's really, that really encapsulates why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, that you're speaking to the things that matter to someone like me. So thank you for, for sharing that. Now, for our listeners that may be hearing you for the first time and liking sure. what they're hearing and wanting to help, you know, if they wanted to help you somehow, how would they go about doing so? That's a fabulous question, and I have a note here so that I did not forget to (laughs) mention this. Um, I am on the socials. This is Modern Times, so I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Megan Martin 4PA, and it's 4FOR, not the number 4. So Megan Martin 4PA, and I also have a website, MeganMartin4PA.com, and you can follow us on the socials and see what we're up to. The website gives people an opportunity to sign up, and they can become a volunteer and help us out because, let's face it, I'm one person. I'm one candidate. I cannot do this alone. That's why I am embarking on this 67-county campaign. I think it's critically important, Sam, if I'm going to ask the people of this great Commonwealth to vote for me, I want them to see and to know that I care enough to come into their communities and earn their votes. I'm going to be boots on the ground. And I've already started. I've hit about uh, 24 counties, I think, and counting. So I'm getting there. You know, it's only February 2nd, so I'm getting there. (laughs) Yeah, Pennsylvania is a big state. It's not Delaware or Rhode Island. (laughs) That's That's for sure. That's exactly right. And I think, you know, I've been so warmly received everywhere I've gone. And it's truly been a a tremendous joy for me going out into these communities and talking with people and seeing what's important to them and getting to know them and letting them get to know me. I think there's a tremendous value in having somebody shake my hand and look me in the eye and and ask me questions. And and I appreciate that. And and I love interacting with them. And, you know, I want them to see that I'm going to be a judge for them. And so, you know, I'm I'm, I'm super excited on this and and I welcome their help. I'm going to need their help. I'm going to need signatures for petitions. I'm going to need signs put out. I'm going to be coming to events. Um, uh, where you know we'll certainly want to have people there in attendance. So and and I want to spread the word. You know, tell a friend. That's what I tell everybody. Please, you know, like my my Facebook page and tell a friend. Okay. Well, now, now I'm going to ask you a hard question. Okay. Okay. We've been just doing with the easy stuff up till now, right? Now we're going to get to the hard questions. Okay. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so where do you have your cookies made? You oh, know, I, I love those cookies a couple weeks ago. Yes, I have a dear friend. 
she actually was a legal intern for me at the Senate for, for two years. And she's an attorney now and she loves to bake and she just bakes these beautiful cookies on the side. And so I asked her, I said, Amy, would you make cookies for my campaign that look like my logo? And she said, oh my gosh, I'd be happy to. And so she does it and she does beautiful work and her cookies taste delicious because in my humble opinion, sometimes you get sugar cookies like that, that they look beautiful, but they don't taste very good. But mm-hmm. hers taste and look fabulous. They were. And I mean, listen, I, it, you know, I'm not going to kid anybody and say cookies are light, okay? But they tasted light, right? You know, almost like Absolutely. there were no calories there, you know? Absolutely. Well, I told her she has to make cookies that have no calories. There me, you go. So. Okay, those are the rules, right? Those are the rules, you know? So is there anything else you would like to say, you know, to our listeners that, that you and I haven't discussed previously? Sure. Well, I think that what I would just like to say then is, you know, I will be a judge for you. I will be a judge for all of Pennsylvania, someone who you can trust, someone who will follow the law. Also, that I am a candidate who, listen, Sam, I would have never gotten into this race if I didn't think that I could win in November. And so, you know, I am fully committed to this endeavor. I think that as a party, it's really important that we choose candidates who can win in November. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that I am really a candidate who all the Republicans will be able to get behind me. And I also believe that I will be able to build out a broad-based coalition of support to win in November. And I'm excited to do that. And I've started doing that already. And, you know, I have a fantastic team. You're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. So choose wisely. And, and, And I've done just that. And we have a great winning strategy. And so, you know, I'm feeling very blessed and very fortunate that I have uh, garnered so much support already, and I'm continuing to work on that support. And, you know, I don't take a single vote for granted. We're going through the endorsement process, as you know, and I'm working hard to earn every vote. And I'm going to do the same thing for the people of Pennsylvania. You know, God willing, I get endorsed on Saturday um, and become the endorsed candidate. I'm going to earn their votes. I'm going to work incredibly hard to do that. And um, I will be a tireless worker for them, not only on the campaign trail, but also uh, on the bench. So I'm really honored that you asked me to be here today. And um, it's truly been been a delight talking with you and and, uh, letting the people who listen to your great show get to know a little bit about me. And I'm happy to come back if you ever need me to. Well, we're honored to have you. Listen, I want to wish you the best of luck, you know, Saturday up at the Republican State Committee meeting. You know, we'll see what happens. And uh, last question here, okay? Who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? <laughs> oh, fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, hey, listen, I, I will tell you this. Uh, as a diehard, lifelong Steeler fan, season tickets, uh, we're not going to hold that against you this year, okay? So you get a pass for 2023. I definitely appreciate that. But growing up in Delaware County, I, I can't help but be an Eagles fan. And I will tell you an interesting point of trivia. My 91-year-old father has been an Eagles season ticket holder since 1961 so that tells you the kind of household that i was raised in oh so, my gosh well uh, I, you know he, you eagle fans just, are rowdy you're rowdy out there. well they, they are i'm definitely not like that but uh, <laughs> i let others take care of that i i, I just from <laughs> home so but uh yeah so so fly eagles fly we're looking forward to it all right well listen megan thank you so much for joining us on the show today we really do appreciate it and again Good luck on Saturday at Republican State Committee, okay? Uh, Thank you so much, Sam. I'm honored that you had me on the show. Thank you so very much. You have a great day. You too. So, John, we have two minutes here. What do you think about what you heard from Megan? Uh, She's great. I mean, she has impeccable credentials. I think her background suits her well for the Commonwealth Court as opposed to, like, maybe Superior Court because, again, it is dealing with uh, the – you know, bureaucracy and and the different forms of government. So I I think uh, her experience suits her very well for this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she and she's done very well in the caucuses, has she not? Yeah, I've heard. Yeah, she's done great things for the caucus, the you know Senate caucus. Uh, all the state or senators I've talked to love her. Okay, and state committee members as she's gone around to present and meet with the state committee caucuses, they've done their straw polls. You yeah. know, uh, she's by far in the lead. Correct. Correct. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she at the moment right now she holds uh, 247 votes here to uh, uh, Josh. Prince has 110. So okay, okay. she more than likely so more than will doubled. Walk, okay, yeah, more than likely will. So yeah, so I think I think she's in she's in good shape, you know, for that. And I, and you know, to, just to say something about her um, opponent uh, for this race, uh, Josh Prince. I mean, Josh is a great guy, uh, very very good attorney. You know, he really has uh, excelled at stepping up and defending our Second Amendment rights across the state of Pennsylvania. Yes, you yes. know, he's done a lot of work for FOAC. 
He was the one that handled the case that struck down Pittsburgh's, you know, gun laws, which, I mean, I, you know, I told, I saw, I saw current controller, <clears throat> former city councilman Corey O'Connor on the street when he was proposing the things in Pittsburgh. I said, what are you doing? And I said, you know, they, you, they're not going to, they're not going to stand. They'll be thrown out the first time they're challenged in court because of the preemption law. You know, he said, I, I don't care. I feel I got to do something. So we went through all that just to go to court and the court to just point out the obvious that the state's law on preemption, you know, preempts any local municipality from being able to take and create its own laws that have to be done at the state level and be statewide. And, you know, I was in an event the other night and, uh, well, we'll talk about that in the second segment. Okay. Hey, folks, you're listening to The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Be right back. The midterm elections are in the rearview mirror, and now it's time to start finding great school board candidates for 2023. Convince the right candidates to run using the Get Elected app for easy-to-understand voter data and analysis, canvassing tools, and more. Visit getelected.org and show them the path to victory. Get elected. Campaign with confidence. Folks, welcome back to The Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Uh, John, we just heard in our last segment from Megan Martin, great candidate for Commonwealth Court, and we're joined today by, in our second segment, by another great candidate and a neighbor of ours here in Allegheny County, uh, Judge Harry Smale from Westmoreland County. Harry, or Judge Smale, welcome to the Elephant in the Room. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate you having me on. Well, we appreciate you joining us. Now, Harry, rather than me reading a bio, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, uh, you know, what you're doing today. Okay. Um, I am a uh, lifelong Republican um, and have came up through the Reagan years and went to Grove City College. Uh, and during the time period when Grove City College beat the Department of Education in Bell versus Department of Education and became independent of any federal funding, um, thereafter I worked in the public uh, arena in a couple of different jobs uh, for Aetna Life Insurance uh, for West Penn Power. I ultimately became a Westmoreland County Probation and Parole Officer for a period of about seven years. And while I did that, I went to Duquesne University School of Law five nights a week for four straight years wow. and got my law degree. Then I opened my own practice and uh, did a lot of complex <laughs> civil litigation uh, criminal defense work and family law work in divorce, custody, PFAs, children, youth services, guardian, litem. Mm-hmm. Uh, during that time period, um, I defended the first stand and defend case, which was the expansion of the Castle Doctrine. And I defended uh, Dr. Charles Gallo of FOAC, who was involved in an incident. We had the charges dismissed, which went on to protect a lot of other citizens and their Second Amendment rights. 2014, I was given the opportunity and nomination by Governor Tom Corbett to sit on the bench of Westmoreland County Court of Conflees of the 10th District and was unanimously voted in by all 50 senators. The following year, 2015, I won both sides of the ticket on the Democrat and Republican ballot, was able to raise almost $250,000 in a countywide race and was in a field of nine individuals, including three women and six men. And then we went on to handle uh, family court cases for the first two and a half years. And then for the last six and a half years, I did complex civil litigation, orphans court and the elections law. And one of my most notable proceedings was the Nicole Ziccarelli versus Jim Brewster senatorial race Mm -hmm. in the 45th district, where we ruled um, in favor of the statutory law under the Act 77 mail-in voting, and I was ultimately upheld by the Commonwealth Court as well as the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. Well, you know, thank you for sharing that bit about your experience there because, you know, it it shows that you're well-rounded. You know, you served in the private sector, you served in government here, and now you're serving in the judicial branch, right? So you, you understand what many folks deal with or are going through on a daily basis. Now, in our last segment when we talked to Ms. Martin, well, I had asked her to explain to folks what the Commonwealth Court entailed, because many of our listeners don't necessarily know or understand what the appellate courts, you know, do. Now, you're running as a candidate for Superior Court in Pennsylvania. 
Could you tell our listeners a little bit about what Superior Court does and typically the type of cases that you folks handle? Certainly. I'd be happy to do that. Um, the Superior Court handles the bulk or almost the full regime of all appeals from the county court of common pleas level out of all 67 counties. It handles every case that involves uh, private parties, private businesses, family members, or corporate entities that are not based on uh, government regulatory uh, disputes, municipality disputes, local government disputes, or state government concerns regarding uh, federal uh, intrusion. So this means that it involves contract law, tort law relative to uh, acts against each other and compensation back, orphans court cases, which were our register of wills, uh, wills, estates, trust. It handles guardianships of both geriatric people and people with mental health, mental retardation, persons that are children with regard to uh, adoption and termination of parental rights, all manner of family law being divorce, custody, equitable distribution, any involvement in the custodial questions involving both grandparents' rights, family rights, extended family, and it also deals predominantly with all appeals that come from the criminal realm being any defendant's appeal or appeal by a district attorney's office as to a ruling or outcome in a criminal case. Well, thank you for sharing that with our listeners so that they understand. I mean, that's quite a bit, okay? But it does explain the differences between Commonwealth you know, and Superior Court. So uh, what has prompted you to decide that you want to run to serve on Superior Court? Well, I've been graced with the ability almost uh, coming up, it'll be nine years in July, to help the citizens of Westmoreland County. And I felt with the breadth of my experience that I could have the unique skill set to step right into the Superior Court and help citizens from all 67 counties. And I felt an obligation to continue to serve and expand on my experience. And the next logical approach would be to move into an appellate court position on an intermediate level where I could assist in the volume of cases uh, as the Superior Court of Pennsylvania is either named the busiest or second busiest intermediate appellate court in the entire country of the United States. Wow. Now, do you know off the top of your head what the gender makeup is on Superior Court right now? I know that there are 15 seated judges. They do have a complement of senior judges. But as far as specifics, I would say it's it's either split or a little bit higher level of female to male ratio. Okay. <clears throat> so I've had the opportunity to get to know you over the years. So I know what a fine judge you are. And I know that you're supported by so many of the people in Westmoreland County. Bill Bretz, the chair of the Westmoreland County Party, is a good friend of mine, as is uh, State Senator Kim Ward, and they are all strongly behind you, and they're, that's good enough for me. But I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak to our listeners so that they could learn a little bit more about you and why taking and uh, electing you to superior court would be a step in the right direction to correct some of the problems that we've seen here with some of these activist judges you know, rolling from the bench. And you brought up a case <clears throat> that I was intimately involved with as well, and that was the Ziccarelli case that you mentioned. You know, I serve on the Board of Elections here in Allegheny County, and uh, that was crazy because at the time, before the redistricting, state Senate districts crossed county lines. So the 45th state senatorial district uh, went into both Allegheny and Westmoreland counties, and according to guidance that had been issued by the Secretary of State at the time, she issued this on September 28th of 2020, was that any ballots lacking a written date were to be segregated and set aside and not counted. And in this particular case, after all valid ballots had been counted, Nicole Ziccarelli had a lead. And yeah, then Allegheny right. County decided that they were going to count, you know, those ballots, which was contrary to statute. And uh, I, on the Board of Elections, voted against doing so. <clears throat> but here in a Democrat county, you know, I was outrolled two to one. And then uh, it went to Commonwealth, excuse me, Common Police Court, where Judge James uh, upheld the county's decision. And then it went to Commonwealth Court, 
where Judge Kevin Brobson, currently Justice Brobson on the Supreme Court, you know, he again ruled according to statute that they shouldn't be counted. And it went to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court where Justice David Weck decided to have it both ways and said, yes, it's obvious that the state legislature felt that this should be mandatory. But in this particular case, I'll make an exception because maybe people don't know. How do you do that, right? So I want to thank you for upholding the law as written and recognizing that judges don't take and make law from the bench and, uh, you know, uh, ruling according to statute and that those shouldn't be counted. But, uh, you know, it, it, it has all worked out in the end for Mrs. Ziccarelli. But uh, at the time, I can tell you uh, a lot of us were very, very upset. Yes, and I and I understand why, because I believe in, I am an originalist and a strict constitutionalist. Uh, I believe uh, inherently in the separation of powers between the various branches. And the most primal goal is for a judge not to legislate from the bench, not to insert a personal opinion, not to try and evaluate the thoughts of the legislators outside of the legislative comment attached to the statute. It is to follow the statute, apply the law as it was written, and proceed in any constitutional analysis to make sure that the law does not violate any protected right of a citizen. In that analysis, if it is not unconstitutional, then the discretion of the court is only to adhere to the statute. That's exactly what I did. There were not dates on the particular ballots that came in. I threw them out. Uh, this is a actual example for the public to understand where two judges uh, differed in their approaches, and one felt from Allegheny County that it was a disenfranchisement of a person's right to vote by not adhering to the statute. And that was a personal belief that was inserted into this opinion, which cost Nicole Ziccarelli approximately the Senate seat by 62 votes. The same circumstance that occurred in Westmoreland County occurred in Allegheny County. There weren't dates. There weren't proper signatures. There wasn't adherence to the statute. Consistent ruling by judges to the statute would have meant the outcome of that circumstantial case would have been completely different. And Nicole Ziccarelli would have been seated within the PA Senate. When it gets to the appellate courts, they must not only look at the statute, but I'm running for Superior Court, and I'm also paying respect and homage to the Commonwealth Court, Superior Court, as well as Supreme Court, because when you become an appellate court judge, you are the judge of judges, if you will, and what they do and what their comments are and how they proceed. Clearly, the law was clear. Judge Bromson mm -hmm. was correct. And when it went to the PA Supreme Court, the ruling had to adhere to the statute. So the process worked, but you can't have it both ways where you make an exception for one incidental circumstance simply because it's the first time that it comes through uh, the litigation path. And so I got very motivated that year and really considered how could I be more effective in being a judge that adheres to the law and applies it for the citizens of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania so that they would find equity, fairness, and justice, and the statutes reliable at, because of judicial enforcement. And I'm in this race because I can pull the trigger on writing an opinion, making a decision, and compelling the enforcement of statutory law. Well, we appreciate that. I mean, I think that's what everyone's looking for. Now, help me or help our listeners understand, you know, when Pennsylvania's Supreme Court rules on something like that, what does it take to get to the U.S. Supreme Court? Or, you know, help our listeners understand why deference is shown to the Supreme right. well, Court when they make these decisions. Well, and the ultimate ruler for the state is the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and their ultimate interpretation. Now, in particular criminal cases, they do have a right to what's called habeas corpus, and they can go to the Third Circuit Court of Appeals as their first step on the federal route to preserve um, their rights if they feel like there was mistakes or circumstances relative to their incarceration or their conviction. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. In civil cases, you have the ruling by the PA Supreme Court. You have no alternative any further on the state level because that ultimately is the final ruling both in the family division and the civil uh, litigation area, which would include the elections. So the next would be to file a petition for certiorari to the U.S. Supreme Court in the hope that your issue is so prevalent it would affect other jurisdictions throughout the country. And because it needs to be addressed not only for the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but across the board because it affects specific rights, it affects the citizens' ability to participate in the system, that out of the volume of thousands of cases, you may get lucky enough that your case is picked to be heard and then ultimately decided by the final purveyor of opinion, which is ultimately the U.S. Supreme Court. Absent the court accepting your petition for certiorari on appeal to the U.S. Supreme Court, that state Supreme Court ruling is the law of the land by precedence. Well, thank you for sharing that. I, John, I think I, I qualify for three credits because I just sat through a law school class. You know, Judge Smale taught, you know, on, on the court system and, and what this takes. So, no, this is great. Now, 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 Judge, for anybody that's listening to this and saying to themselves, hey, this is the kind of judge that I want to have on the court, how would they go about helping you? Well, what we're doing is we are finishing up this weekend with the state endorsement process, and mm-hmm. I'm happy to announce that under the caucus process, I have distanced myself as the leader in the Superior Court for the endorsement from the uh, Republican State Party, and that will be formalized Saturday. Thereafter, uh, we have a, uh, a actual uh, contact to me, which would be through Judge Smell at votejudgesmell.com. And also, uh, we are available at P.O. Box 11732, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17108. And we also have a website, if you just give me one second, is at votejudgesmell.com. And you could get all of our information directly there on how to provide support, uh, either financially or by volunteering. Nominating petitions are going out on February the 14th, and that will run for a period till March the 7th of 2023. And anyone that is interested or willing to let us know an address or how we can reach out to you, and you would be willing to get nomination petitions signed in your particular county, that would help us to get on the ballot so that we are on the primary ballot and then the general election ballot in the fall. But any and all support and endorsement by any and all citizens is welcome and much appreciated. Well, for our listeners, what's required from a petition perspective to get on the ballot? What's required for a someone running for Superior Court judge? Well, you have to have a, a thousand signatures and they have to come from five different counties. Now, we expect and hope so that there is not a petition challenge to tremendously exceed that amount in a fashion which is substantially higher. It is sometimes more difficult in a municipal year to get large amounts of signatures. Mm -hmm. But if we can get more volunteers that can even get 10 signatures each and then turn them in to us for filing with the Bureau of Elections, our numbers will easily supersede the requirement and will avoid us having any litigation on a petition uh, litigation or challenge. And that would ensure that I would be on the Republican primary and then available for the general election against the candidates from the Democratic side. Okay. Now, uh, just one more time, tell our listeners how they could help you. You know, where, what web, what's the website again? Yes. Okay. It's vote. JudgeSmell.com. You can email me directly at JudgeSmell at VoteJudgeSmell.com. Should you wish to inquire or mail us any correspondence, it's P.O. Box 11732, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, 17108. Fantastic. Now, hey, Judge, uh, before I let you go, is there anything else you would like to say to our listeners here? Uh, is you know before you head off to Harrisburg or Hershey, you know for the state committee meeting and this endorsement process. Yes, 
I would like the listeners to know that regardless of gender or identity aspects to a candidate, that I have the unique skill set to not legislate from the bench, to analyze statutes, to analyze U.S. and Pennsylvania, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania constitutional analysis as to statutory application in the protection of citizens' rights. With my background, I could start this job on the Superior Court the following day, and they am well prepared. And I hope that the message of that experience will shine through as we get and reach out to all citizens and all voters. And we would ask for your consideration to investigate the candidates so that you get the best and most qualified people on the bench in this upcoming year. Well, Judge Schmell, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for sharing you know, your vision of how you would like to serve. You know, if elected to be the Superior Court judge here on the Superior Court in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania in 2023, thank you again so much for joining us. I look forward to seeing you in Hershey. And thank you again very much, and I look forward to seeing you as well. And thank you to all the listeners. It is very much appreciated. Thank you. You got it. You have a great day, Judge Schmell. So, John. We just heard from Judge Smell. We heard from Megan Martin. Both of those two candidates are in the lead in regards to the straw polls in the different caucuses. And I think it's safe to assume that they will be getting the endorsement at the Republican State Committee meeting in Hershey, you know, on Saturday. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, like they do have a commanding lead in the in the early uh, straw poll votes. Um, historically, that has meant the candidates that don't receive the endorsement will typically, you know, uh, suspend their candidacies. But that a few candidates have lately bucked the trend. So... You know, I could see a situation where some candidates, you know, stay in, um, you know, and, and run t- through the primary. Well, we're going to see what happened. But, hey, we have five minutes left in the show, okay? So what I want to talk about is the very important special elections that are coming up next Tuesday, February 7th, here in Allegheny County. We have three special elections taking place in House District 32, House District 34, and House District 35. All three of these have been held by Democrats for decades. And they're in areas with heavy Democrat registration advantages. But there's an opportunity for Republicans here, being that they are special elections. And Republicans tend to have a propensity to turn out in greater numbers for special elections than Democrats. If they turn out to vote, they can have their voices heard and they can put the state house back to work. I was being interviewed by one of the local television stations before we started taping this show. And they were asking me, well, what what does this mean? Okay, these special elections. And I was trying to explain that, you know, Republicans heard the voters' voices in November. And one of the things that was clear is is voters were looking to get, have their business done. They were looking for these folks to come together, to get back to work on the issues that matter to people in Pennsylvania and not just issues that matter to members of one political party or another. Well, Republicans accepted that challenge and they came here. And even though they had an advantage, in numbers 101 to 99. You know, they read the tea leaves and leadership took and elected a, a Democrat, Mark Rossi, from the other side of the state to be the speaker. And Mr. Rossi had agreed he would switch his registration to independent and he would take an act as an independent, as an independent speaker, hiring staff from both sides, you know, and doing the people's business, some of which included you know, running legislation or bringing it to the floor in regards to the second passing opportunity for some of these constitutional amendments and referendums. Well, almost immediately, they've gone back on it. And now, uh, House is not in session, not expected to be called back until February 27th. I mean, we are paying these people six-figure salaries. And essentially, they're not going to start doing anything until March. So it'll be like three full months. These folks have not been acting on behalf of the citizens, and it's time to get back to work. Republicans have been issuing letters asking for folks to sign on and call the House back into session, and the Democrats refuse to do so. You know, the uh, <clears throat> new speaker, you know, agreed to take and adjourn the House until February 27th, and then went off on this quote-unquote listening tour. Well, I, you know, I hope he was listening because people were saying, hey, we get the House back in session, let's go to work. You know, there's a lot of people are facing a lot of challenges. They went through the election cycle. They made their voices heard. And now they just want to get back to worrying about taking and making a living, raising their families, you know, doing the things that they do in their lives on a daily basis and not have to sit here wondering what's happening in Harrisburg 
where we have the most costly state legislature in the country, and they're being paid, and Democrats are refusing to go back to work. Folks, any of you out here in our listening audience, if you live in those districts, you can send these people back to work by going to the polls on Tuesday, February 7th, and voting Republican. You know, it's, that's a simple gesture. It's something that you can do to show both parties that you're tired of business as usual and you want something to be done. You want them to act on your business. And here's the, th- the important thing, John, is to recognize that we have split government. You know, uh, Josh Shapiro has been elected as our governor. He's our governor now, and uh, he's a Democrat. The state Senate, however, you know, is a solid Republican majority. And the state house is so evenly divided. We're looking at even if Democrats were to win all three of these special election seats, they would only hold a one seat majority there. Okay, one seat. So it's not like anybody has the ability to take and try to pass or push through legislation that wouldn't meet, you know, or wouldn't enjoy bipartisan support. So why are we not in session? You know, why is Mark Rossi, the speaker, not? calling the House into session, what are Democrats afraid of, and why are they taking and giving up uh, on the t- on the taxpayers? I mean, the taxpayers should be demanding a rebate on the money they're paying these folks because they're not out there doing the job. So, folks, again, can't, uh, can't tell you enough or urge you enough. If you're tired of business as usual, you want to send a message to get some change, go to the polls on Tuesday, February 7th, and vote for Clayton Walker in House District 32, Vote for Don Nevels in House District 35 and vote for Robert Pagani in House District 34. Folks, you have the opportunity to make your voice heard. Please exercise that. Be a good citizen. Do what you need to do. And uh, we'll go from there. Next time when we talk to you next week, uh, we'll know what the results of those elections are. And we'll have some uh, some better insight as to what's happening in Harrisburg. So folks, for, for the elephant in the room and for John, Daryl, and myself, This is Sam DeMarco signing off until next week. We'll see you with the elephant in the room on WJAS 1320 AM.